guys, so we interrupt the usual chills of TFC episode with a special feature of the Coconut Avenue. We're gonna go into episode 2 of the Coconut Avenue today where we will focus on leasehold properties. What are the characteristics of the leasehold property and are 99 years condo the same as HDBs in Singapore? If you love today's episode, definitely follow us on the Coconut Avenue and share them with your loved ones. Help us get a bigger reach. We want to grow our audience. And yeah, let's all grow together. So take it over, Troy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As you progress along your property journey, you might jump from HDB to a condo. But is a 99 leasehold condo really a big difference from HDBs? Because I'm sure you've heard about people comparing between HDBs and condos. People say that HDBs are the cheapskate cousins of such condos and there's no point getting into them. How true is that? There's so much noise affecting how you make your decision. So how do you position yourself safely in your next move and maybe profit through your jump? Welcome back to another day on the Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights investment strategies and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Maureen is here with the Chief Financial Coconut, Reggie, and I to carry on where she left off last week. Ready to learn more? Let's go! Okay, welcome back. And you know, in episode one, you know, if you've not heard it, definitely head over, listen to episode <laughs> one. And Maureen is quite a big proponent of HDB. You know, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> not not everybody is so pro HDB. But in our discussion, you know, she definitely talked about how you should sell after an extended period of time. Right? About five years, that's the benchmark. And then convert it to a private property. And in my head is like, if HDB was so good, right? Why don't you just hold it lah? <laughs> right? So we're back today with Maureen and Troy to just kind of understand why, you know, we should go into a private property, right? And right. yeah, let's go. Okay. Actually, on, on that perspective on HDB itself, like being 99 years, I don't know why um, it's such a shock, Reggie, that suddenly everyone come to realise that, oh, my HDB is 99 years, it's going to expire worthless. It's always been the case. There has never been a policy to say that, hey, we guarantee we're going to buy it back from you. So HDB by default should be treated almost exactly the, like the same as a 99-year leasehold condo. So people always think, oh, by the end of my condo time, uh, there's going to be on block or there's... No, who says? Someone might not be interested in unblocking your place, right? Yeah. So it's exactly the same like issue. Correct. <laughs> like woodlands. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future, <laughs> woodlands Maybe it might yeah. be very popular okay, back sorry then. Sorry to all my woodland friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but it's the same thing. So mm. the, the, the perspective to look at, first and foremost, in the professional um, investment world, 
no matter how people look at it, I know that there's been a lot of controversial talk about um, the fact that if you buy a 99-year leasehold condo, in fact, the appreciation over time, it can be a very good investment, blah, blah. All that is true, right, if you analyse the data. But in saying that, if you look at the professional world of property investment, all the people that I know of, especially for their own private um, collection, so I'm not talking about major funds who invested for uh, funds purposes, just for private collection, still prefer freehold. Mm. For, the, for the precise reason that once you buy it, it's perpetual. You can give it to your grandchild, you can you know, do whatever, it's, it's yours. Whereas leasehold is for a period of 99 years, there's an expiry date. Is it considered rental? It's a long-term lease, right? If you want to call it that way. Long-term, uh, technical, technical yes, truth. Okay. Correct, correct. And the thing is that they budget it in such a way, I, I think that there's somebody clever, this is not facts, this is just Maureen's imagination, that there is somebody out there who is very clever who say, why don't we just make it for 99 years because by then they will be all dead and then they would think that it's kind of like perpetual anyway when it's not, right? Mm -hmm. So that I think that that's how they view it. But in actual fact, it's still 99 years. So mm -hmm. it should be treated the same. So the way that I look at leasehold property, so whether it be HDB or leasehold, is the same. I can go into it if it makes money, but my perspective is it's going to be a short-term hold, right? I will always find a point in time I will trade off it. It's never a long-term play. Right? It's only a short-term play. But would I buy it? Yes, I would, especially if it makes money. But my perspective is always the same. You do not buy it with the intention of holding for a long-term period. In fact, your position should be, I hold it just long enough to make money and also to let the next person who buy it from me to make money. It, it's, it's not be about being kind or whatever. It makes sense. Like You want to give somebody something that is... Uh, that is in demand, right? If you, you squeeze the orange, right? who wants to buy it, mm. right? They, they want some things left so that when they buy Unless it, they sell sense. the pew. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Chinese medical store. They sell pew. <laughs> right. So, so you want to leave some fats there so that, you know, they, they can also utilize that So period. that you can sell that house correct, as well. Correct, correct. And so I always recommend like young people when they enter into HDB, I said five to... Um, 20 years and below. Why? Um, 30 years, uh, 30 years and beyond, right? So from zero to 30 years, beyond 30 years, the bala depreciation or the rate of depreciation of a leasehold property start to take up in speed. So they get faster and faster, the depreciation rate. Between zero and 30, it start to accelerate, but not at the same rate as after 30 years. So that's why I always ask people to invest during this band of time. But why 20 years? It's because it's good to leave at least 10 years for the next person, right? Mm. So that they've got some time left. Yeah. And also um, taking into account, obviously, leasehold property, banks are not dumb. They also adjust their uh, lending criteria once you've got less and less year left. And that means that if it means that I have to have a lot of cash in order to buy this property versus if I can just take the loan from the bank, it reduces the demand. Remember, I always say coming back to demand, what will create the most demand for your property? And that's what's going to make sense, right? So if more cash up front, I mean, lesser people can 
yes. you tie that. So your pull strings. Correct. Right? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and you talk about the bala again yes, and again yes, and again, yes, right? Yes. So I just, I don't know who this bala is, right? I'm trying to understand. <laughs> yeah. No, no one knows who bala is, by the way. He's just this really smart guy who came up with a table how, for how you should calculate the rate of depreciation. Mm. But a lot of people read the bala and they got the wrong impression. They think that Oh, today is 400,000, tomorrow is 399. You know, it doesn't work like that because Bala table only calculate the rate of depreciation. Mm. But naturally, Singapore land traditionally also have an appreciation factor mm. that is uh, taking into account, which is why I think in the last um, episode we talk about like older generation, they buy a place for 40,000 and then at the end of it, it's like worth 400. And you say, but Maureen, if Bala click, clicks in, it should depreciate, right? It should be like worth like 20 by then. It's because as Bala take into effect, there is also like the land appreciation in value of that place that the uncle bought that takes into account as well. So it's like a two line of effect that takes place. So he is increasing in value still, but towards the end of his leasehold, that that increase de- uh, is slowing down because the depreciation factor start to yeah mm-hmm. take effect. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Yes. I yeah. Get it. So essentially, so, what you're saying is that because from Bala's observation, <laughs> right? So I'm assuming this is observation yes, yes. kind of thing, right? Yes. You plot data over time, Got and it. this is what you see, right? So from Bala's viewpoint, by 30 years, rate of change will increase, right? That Correct. Means the, the, the depreciation becomes more serious Correct. than the first 30 years. But also because Singapore as a city has, you know, higher and higher demand for property because Correct. we're packing more and more people in Correct. limited land space. Right. So then the growth of land value outshines that Bala, you know, decline, which is Correct. why the net net at the end of the 30 years, at least for the first 30, 40 years, with Correct. all the first batch of HDB buyers, Correct. which is why they are very, you know, pro-establishment. Yes. <laughs> yes. First 30, 40 years, uh, they make their money because Correct. of the land growth outrunning the Bala. Correct. You know, Correct. Position. Now, if assuming by the end of year zero, right, government don't, um, compulsory buy back your place or take back the place by right there should be some value still to the land right it's just that because at that point in time the rental if you want to put it that way the rental lease period expire mm. so then you no longer have the rights over the property and therefore it become worthless from that perspective but uh, so so I think that it's very wrong to then say that oh then HDB is not worthwhile buying um, it is uh, still a very good strategy, I think. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that in episode one that in the past people earn money through HDB, a lot of them. Yes. But in the future, we should not just focus on HDB, but we should use HDB as a jumping board into condo. You are still able to get that appreciation, but it's just not solely focused on HDB. Correct. I think that um, when the government made the announcement that, hey, we are not going to guarantee that we're going to buy back HDB from you, what they essentially did is that they just crystallized the thought for people. It's, it's, it's always there. It's always the same. So that's something that they, they are now more aware than before. And yes, you can use HDB as a leverage into condo, but the other thing is also... Mind you, mind you, the number of multi-millionaire friends that I've got who live in HDB is countless. Yep, I get, I get what you So <laughs> then it begs the question of like, uh, these people are not dumb. Mm. Why are they doing it? Because there are certain value to HDB. So if you view it that your house 
is not an asset from the perspective of, or it can give you lots of income, right? Mm -hmm. By right, if you're a very savvy investor, you should buy HDB from the perspective of you need minimal entry price, but it allows you to stay in a comfortable place. It can uh, accumulate some equity, but I'm going to leave the pot of my goal and invest in worthwhile property outside so that I can lease it out to people that mix where my wealth is. Mm. You get that? I get what you're saying. Yes. But I'm just not sure if it still exists at this point in time because before that, there was a period of time where there were not like serious taxation from multiple property ownership. Stabilities. Right. 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 All the duties, right? Duties right. are getting very serious. I think right. there was a period of time they were trying to curb, you know, because prices were just going like, whoo, whoo, whoo. It's like, who is buying all this? <laughs> right? but, but clearly, there are a lot of buyers and prices were just going so fast. Right. Right? And stamp duties came in. Right. right. So then, the theory holds, right, in terms of owning an affordable place and then, you know, putting, deploying your cash yes. somewhere else to then right. you know, make that money, right? And right. I do have a lot of friends with families that are like that. Right. Right. But... Does it still work now at this point in time? That, that's a very good thing that you touch mm. on. So you're talking about like the ABSD kicking in after mm. whatever, right? Mm. So business people or investors are always going to work around policies. They're going to find ways around it. So the way that a lot of the savvy investor, what they're doing is, of course, then there's, the, you know, the, although this doesn't work any, as much as before, they buy a property, the wife buy, and then they even use children, you know, family. And even the most wealthy people that I know still continue yeah, to do yeah. that. They, that's why they're wealthy. <laughs> yeah, correct. They, they, they will find ways. They will it, find yeah. ways to get that place at that price without the ABSD, right? But the other thing is also that actually by default also drive up the property value of commercial properties. Because mm. with commercial property, I don't need to pay ABSD, you know? Mm. I can mm. just trade that. So there are avenues around it and they're still going to deploy that money they're just going to deploy an asset that allows them to still generate the income and all that stuff. So, so, so Reggie, it actually still works. And maybe for the more general population who are not that savvy, maybe this ABSD serves as a deterrence for speculation. Correct. They have to be really more, do more research into seeing that if you add that 12% ABSD, will you still earn when you sell? Correct, correct. Sorry for being slow. I just got it. Okay, but like when you were saying about commercial property, I was like, why Maureen talk about commercial property? Okay, now I get it because, you know, you you can invest in commercial property. It's yes. not that you have to buy everything residential, correct. right? So it's still the same idea. Yes, okay, 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 correct. I get it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And 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 <laughs> the 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 important thing to catch is that people are asking me. People always say, hey. Uh, you know, Mr. Lee, Mr. Ang, Mr. Tio, very rich. Why are they staying in HDB? Because um, HDB is very accessible, very cheap. And then if they know that it's not an asset, it wouldn't generate cash flow. Yes, it will still accumulate equity over time versus me leasing, right? Or Mr. Ang, whatever, leasing. So they'll just deploy their cash into investment. And that is a very clever way of doing it. So, so don't discount HDB, right? Don't discount. It's, it's still a very good policy. We, we, I get it, I get it. And then we really need to ring HDB. Hello, HDB, Nyapia sponsor. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, I get the idea, right? Yeah. Which the original idea of how HDB flats are being priced is really to kind of give everybody a social housing kind of kind of thing. Correct. And then over time, it became some sort of wealth distribution platform also for yes. a lot of people. And I think based on what you have put forth, it's still very much the case, you know, where it is a low entry point where people can just partake. Yes, you can be very, um, you know, regardless of your political affinity, the reality is, you know, HDB is still a very, very affordable benchmark for you to kickstart and go in and accumulate your wealth. And then after that, you switch over Correct. to something that is of a freehold structure, right? And, right. and based on that freehold thing, I just want to kind of share with you guys that if you think about it, if something compounds year on year over time, then of course the freehold one will compound forever because, you know, timeline is infinite. Correct, <laughs> right? correct, so correct. I think, Reggie, you touch on a very clever point. I mean, there are data analysis, even agents telling you that actually uh, leasehold make more money than freehold. Yes, to some extent, because if the entry price is right, you know, it's not like, oh, freehold only make money, but leasehold doesn't, especially in condo format. But you touched on a very good point. It's because freehold, people are still willing to buy that even though it appears on paper like it makes less money initially. It's because you get to... The, 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 the accumulation is long term. Yeah. Mm. The only thing with that is that when you start buying airspace, right? Let's say you buy condo, uh, it's freehold and it's airspace you need to understand that at some point your, your building is going to deteriorate to such an extent that you can't really live there anymore. Um, or It's not in demand purely because people don't want to live in such an old place, right? Mm. When you have got all your neighbours. And it's very hard to consolidate everybody to say, we agree to renovate this particular infrastructure, right? Golden mile. Correct. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And this is like, so many places are like this, mm -hmm. right? It's so hard to... But, but it's still worth value. It's still worth something because the land has continued to appreciate over time. So, so that, there lies the, the, the value and the beauty of freehold property. And I think you are spot on. Thank you. Yeah, and especially Golden Mile, guys. I think Golden Mile has went out of fashion and came back in fashion because it's like so retro, right? It's like so old school now. It's like, damn, this place is a thing. Nah. And they decided <laughs> to make it into a heritage <laughs> space now, right? So when you heritageize it, right? I don't know what was that. <laughs> it's like, you make a heritage space, then it adds on to the cultural value. And I mean, right. we are currently at like Amoy Street, right? Right, 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 area. right. And this whole area is also the same situation, correct, right? Correct. Heritage space and correct. there's a different way of evaluating this space correct, correct. altogether, right? And, correct, and correct. fundamentally, I think you've established the idea that yeah, HDBs are considered properties. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that was very, yes. very resounding yes. Yeah, very yes. resounding yes, right? So, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that uh, if, if you, you know, you, if you, I, I went to Hong Kong a few years ago and I was getting into a cab of this uh, uncle who's like, you know, clearly in his 60s and he's still working multiple jobs. And I asked him, hey, uncle, why are you working so hard? You know, he said that, you know, I haven't finished paying off my place because in Hong Kong, the property prices are high. It takes them forever to pay off that little 
space that they've got, which is not even... You wanted to use square, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, space, you know, actually more like square. I've yeah, been to my correct. friend's place in Hong Kong, it's really like a square, my God. Correct. And I think that um, we don't know how blessed we are in Singapore. Like, our enterprise is really, really affordable. Um, and the government ensure that, hey, even worst case scenario, young couple, you can get your own house. And that house, even, you know, it will allow you to have some form of saving. Like it or not, it will uh, allow you to have some form of saving in there. And they allow you to use CPF as well. I, th I think the, the policy put up by the government in Singapore is just phenomenal. It's mm, great. Fair. Can you vote? Yeah, no, I can't. I'm a, I'm okay. a PR, so it's this not, is not I, I, I can already sense the affinity. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, 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 I get it. So what we have established is that HDB is a property. And there is a difference between HDB and a private property in terms of 99 years lease. And there is also another tier of difference between the freehold you know, and the 99 year hold you know, in terms of condominium. Right, so ultimately, it's a, it's a, what you are telling us is it is a step-by-step. -step, right? You enter the HDB first, right? and then you flip over to, to partake in the private space. Right? Which if you can, you straight away you can go for freehold. But you know, if you can't, then a leasehold is okay. The, well, well, Reggie, actually, there isn't a, a lot of price difference. I mean, uh, uh, a correction. Um, the, the leasehold and freehold, um, the variance in price is not so great that one would choose leasehold because it's a lot cheaper or whatsoever else. I mean, really, um, you would still do it. it. It still comes down to an investment. And really, what I'm also saying is that HDB and leasehold, condo, the perspective that one should view it is not that much difference in terms of the time uh, limitation of in the investment. However, what a private condo will allow you to do is that it allows you to obviously leverage and then you can, uh, you know, you can use the equity to then buy other property with it, which HDB doesn't allow you to do that because the government introduced HDB as a way so that people can live in it, right? But it's still a false sense of saving. It's still a way for you to accumulate equity. But beyond HDB, really, there's no hard and fast rule whether one should go into leasehold or freehold. But I'm all I'm saying is that there are rules, like the entry price and all the other things still make sense for you to accumulate wealth inside uh, private space. But you just need to know that should you choose after HDB to move into a leasehold, you need to move out at some stage as well. You, you can't uh, stay in the leasehold space forever. The same effect that is taking place in HDB still affect the leasehold condo space because it's still 99 years. So you, at some stage, you still need to trade out of that and go into a, another space. Yeah. yeah, and then we will talk about the buy price, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Correct. Further down, right? Correct. That's Correct. Gonna, that's going to be Correct. like, ooh, sexy. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But but really, just to give an insight, I mean, uh, uh, you know, for my own mastermind group, like I always say to them, if you can afford, I mean, the the ultimate dream is to own like a landed freehold property in Singapore, like a house. And then they always say to me, oh, but it's so un unaffordable, it's so expensive. Actually, no. One of the, uh, there are so many places in Singapore where you have freehold land, landed property, they're selling like two million or ish. So when you, over time, when you reach the age of, let's say, 40 plus, this is almost the same as a condo, right? Like, you know, so so I think that uh, it's definitely accessible. So that's what I'll be betting on. That's what I would like. That, that's the ultimate dream if there's such a thing. So the ultimate dream would be to then ultimately land yourself in a freehold 
landed property. Correct. Right, which is where I just walked past yesterday at Coven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice area. Okay, so yeah. um, any other things to add, guys? I think HDB is a very contentious discussion. It is, it is. It is. But you just need to know what the element is. It, 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 it will expire, just like a leasehold condo will also expire. Um, it is a very good uh, false sense of saving. It allows people to enter, and that needs to be... Um, uh, the, 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 the value of that needs to be extracted. And also government give you grants for buying HDB and for young couple, that needs to also be exploited. You need to know that. And so those are the elements that people need to be aware of. It's just that HDB it doesn't allow you to draw down on the equity. That's mm. obviously um, uh, uh, not a very good thing with HDB. You can't um, leverage. You can't leverage. And so those are the elements that you need to be aware of. But outside of that, it's, it's still a very good form of saving. It still allows you to accumulate equity. So don't uh, sneeze on it. Don't think that it's a you know, poor cousin or whatever. It's, it's a very good form of property, I think. Actually, from the mainstream news, or from the mainstream side that... Uh, People are always propagating that the HDB Correct. fear myths, you know. Correct. Like, it will go down to zero. Correct. So we don't really hear you know, from your perspective, from this perspective a lot. Correct. And we understand now that there are actually many different variables that we need to consider and mindsets. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Cool. And I think that's uh, a lot of stuff for HDB. And I think we've, we've, we've established exactly what you said, right? Don't, let's not discount the very fact that there is this entry point, right? Because it is unique to Singapore. Yes. Right? That is the truth because I've lived abroad before and... and that's not the case for my friends. <laughs> Most of them are renting all the way to like 30 plus Correct. today, right? Because prices are crazy, right? Whether it's in KL, whether it's in Hong Kong, whether it's in China, different places. Yes. So HDB is that benchmark and that, you know, jumping board for all of us. Yes. Right? And if we can, we meet the requirements. Of course, if we don't, then we continue to lobby to meet the requirements. <laughs> <laughs> but if we meet the requirements, then we, you know, shouldn't discount this very platform for us to partake in the property market. And in due time, we can definitely, you know, move up and get ourselves into, you know, more and more sexy properties. Mm. Right? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for taking time to tune in today, guys. I hope you have learned a little bit more about property investing. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones and also do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead, guys. And always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. Condos are more atas. That's true. A lot of facilities and all, but really, how many of you guys really use the facilities often? I'm not saying condos are bad or good. I mean, to, to each his own or her own. Lah. But sometimes I just think that there are a lot of different types of biases informing decisions. I believe we all need to focus on the inherent biases that we have before purchasing properties. Maybe I'll talk about the buyers in detail in future episodes. But basically, my takeaway in this episode is that it's wrong to think that buying into condos is more profitable than HDBs because there are a lot of people out there who are losing money when they buy condos. And 
you, you don't really hear them. La. The overwhelming story is that, oh, you buy condos, wait for you to appreciate in the future and you will gain money. But all the people who are losing money, they, they, they do paise to tell people they lose money already. Right? So you don't hear from it. La. But it's not possible that everyone earns money. Maureen also said that the only difference between 99 years leasehold condo and HDBs, or we should say the benefit, the only benefit, is that in 99 years leasehold condo, you can get leverage. But in HDBs, you can't. And whether you buy a HDB or 99 years lease condo, it's recommended to get into a property before 20 years old because then you have some time for it to appreciate if it does. And it's not too old when you sell it. So you can't just buy into any property and you, you can't just say you want to buy new properties every time. Sometimes you can't get a deal for a new property. And of course, there are other metrics to look at, especially demand, because when a strong demand is there, it can even overpower a depreciating property due to age. And definitely you need a good agent that can go through what your needs are and go through all the metrics with you, not an agent that tells you every project can make money. But we'll talk about this in future episodes. I think what Maureen has mentioned clearly is that it's really dangerous to assume that going to a private property will earn you more money than uh, HDB or even assume that old condo will hit the stage of being en bloc and then you can earn a big sum in a short time. Nobody knows when it's going to get en bloc. Nobody can say for sure. So yeah, that, that's a risk that you have to take if you are looking to buy into that. So that's what I learned in this episode. So tell us what you learned in this episode in our Telegram group. You know, discussion is over there. It's waiting for you to exchange opinions, exchange your stories. It's great to know you guys are listening to this and liking it. See you in the next episode. Signing out. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Coconut Avenue is something that I really want to push because I think that there is like a huge gap in the market when it comes to property investing. We're going to run one season. It's been very hard producing this um, season because... You know, um, a lot of property investors do not have incentive to talk. They don't need to tell you, right? There is no, you know, it's not like you can join their fund or it's, it's very hard for them to raise funds from the retail guys with all this like legal stuff. Um, and yeah, most of the time when they buy a property, there's only one, right? Or there's only a row of them, right? So that's limited and they don't really want to talk as much. It's been very hard wooing these guys to come on and talk and we're amazed that we managed to, you know, pull some of these guys, you know, and also some casual investors who own like two or three properties and are doing their own thing. So very happy that they decided to come on to talk and I think it's a great, great podcast that you should check it out and of course, kudos to Troy, you know, for trying out. So he's a listener to a podcaster and it's been very hard on him to like kind of learn this whole process and you know just kind of refine himself so that's great right and if you want to be a podcaster and you have something in this whole like personal finance space you're interested also ring us up right email us at hello at financialcoconut.com and we can like maybe see what we can do together right so follow the coconut avenue and help us spread the word it's been a difficult process but definitely something that you will learn a lot a lot from right so head over now and I'll see you next week Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.